Hello, and welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I'm Mary Jo Parrish, founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is the October teaching, Longing for the Light, part one. And just so you know, you are always loved and always welcome here. So we always like to start off with some funny stories, and today is no exception. So when we create the teachings each month based on the Sunday readings, we work with a team of people, and then I kind of take all their notes and go away for the weekend and like write whatever I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us to. And a lot of times I will go to my son's rectory, he's a priest, and right there. And so I, I said, hey, uh, Logan, could I come, you know, this weekend? And he was like, um, I, you can, but I'm having my seven sisters over for dinner. I'm making him dinner. And so if you're not familiar with the Seven Sisters Apostolate, it's a group of seven women who each take one day of the week and pray for a specific priest for one hour in Eucharistic adoration. So he has these seven sisters that have been, you know, prayerfully supporting him. And so he's having him over for dinner. So he's making them two different soups. He's like, now, mom, I'm making the soups. And I was like, okay, no one has to beg me not to cook. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally fine with you making the soups and me not helping at all. So he's like, all right. So I'm working and this is like on a Sunday, I'm up in this bedroom, like typing away. And he comes up to the bedroom and he's like, mom, something is wrong with the soups. Now, mind you, he's in between masses at this point in time. And I'm like, okay. So I come downstairs and I look at the first one and I'm like, Logan, there is way too many chickpeas in there. I mean, it was like a whole crock pot full of chickpeas when like this thin layer would look, look like dirty dishwater on the top. I'm like, that cannot be right. He was like, taste it. I'm like, I'm not tasting that. That looks terrible. And he's like, oh, I don't know what's, what happened. I was like, show me the recipe. So we go to online to this Better Homes and Garden. And he shows me this recipe for pumpkin, chickpea, and red lentil stew. First of all, gross. I don't know why he decided on that one. But we go down to the ingredients and then like, oh, okay, one pound pumpkin, you know, 115 space ounce can chickpeas. So 115 ounce can chickpeas. And I'm like, Logan, how many chickpeas did you put in there? He said, I tried to get 115 ounces of chickpeas in there, like it says. And I said, honey, there's supposed to be a space in between the one and the 15. It's supposed to be one 15 ounce can of chickpeas. I said, you did a hundred ounces more of chickpeas than you're supposed to. And so we're like dying laughing. We start laughing. So we have to drain all these chickpeas off. And then, you know, we're like, I'm like adding sausage, you know, when in doubt, if your your recipe doesn't taste good, you know, add in pork. It's like, it's, it's the gate, like the vegetarians call bacon, like the gateway meat. It makes everything taste better. And so we drain all of these chickpeas off and we add some extra ingredients and we're like laughing and it finally tastes really good. It's like, okay, this is a really good stew. And he's like, mom, we'll go ahead and taste the other one. I think it's pretty good. But I'm like, all right. So I taste the second soup and I tasted it and I said, oh, it's really good. So it has like a, like a lemon ginger flavor. I said, if I had a stomach flu for five days and I was just starting to like feel a little bit better where I wanted to put something on my stomach, this would be what I was like this would be what I would crave, this lemon ginger soup. And he was like, oh no, oh no. I'm like, what? He said, I got it from the same website, the recipe from the same website. I was like, no. So he takes me to this recipe and it says 114.5, no spaces, then a space, ounce, can, chicken broth. 114, so 114.5, ounce, can, chicken broth. I said, how much chicken broth did you put in there? He said, 
well, I tried to get 114.5 ounces, but it didn't all fit. And I was like, it's supposed to be one 14.5 ounce can. And he was like, so we start crying, laughing. We're like laughing. So, you know, we doctor that soup up. So it's not just like basically broth. And this is in between him doing masses. So he's like running over to the church, coming back in between masses, peeling sweet potatoes, cooking up sausage, all like feed of seven sisters. I mean, it's so funny. The kitchen was a complete wreck. I mean, there was stuff everywhere. There's chunks of sweet potato peel. I don't know if I've ever laughed, cried so hard in all my life as when trying to make these two soups, which remember I was not supposed to help with for his seven sisters. Awesome experience. I just recommend like um, who's ever the author of the Better Homes and Garden, like that was not better in any way, shape or form. But if you're ever like getting irritated with your priest and you're like, well, his homily, he needs, you know, he, he needs work on his homily or, you know, this or that. Just remember, he might be running back and forth and like trying to peel sweet potatoes and make a, a soup for his seven sisters. Like before you ever complain about your priest, make sure you're praying for your priest. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation. We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day, right? No matter what, we make sure we're plugging into the divine. We go to church on Sunday. That's the divine commandment. And we're staying in a state of grace. So anything that's keeping us from the fullness of God's grace, a serious sin, we're finding a way to make sure we get to the sacrament of reconciliation or self-help group or whatever is necessary to get that free so we can experience all of God's grace. And then we continue to build ourselves, build others, and build the church. So longing for the light, the October teaching, part one. We're all on earth you know, we're journeying towards heaven. Hopefully that's our goal, like our destination's heaven. And sometimes radiating God's love while we're journeying home, it feels wonderful. Like, come along, my sisters and brothers, come and know the love for the one whom created you. You know, like we feel it's so strong sometimes, but it doesn't always feel that way. Often it's really hard on this journey towards heaven because it's filled with sorrow and suffering. So how do we magnify God's love to the world? How do we magnify his joy when it feels like we're crawling on the path ourselves? So there's this Christian novel by Hannah Hunard called Heinz Feet on Heinz Places. And it tells the story of like this young woman named Much Afraid. And so she lives with her fearing family in this valley of humiliation. And she also has cousins named Pride and Resentment and Self-Pity, Bitterness, And they all reside here. And she doesn't like it. She knows that she's created for something more. Well, there's the shepherd who's in charge of that valley. And he's rejected by the people in the Valley of Humiliation. But he does have some servants. And Much Afraid is one of these servants. And she confides to the shepherd that she wishes to leave this valley and go with him to the high places 
She wants to take a new name. She doesn't want to be much afraid any longer. And the shepherd tells her that growing into the likeness of a new name is a long process and she must embrace the journey first. But when she does, he will take her to the high places. So she is like, I'm all in, like, let's do this. So Much Afraid begins her journey and she's like dedicated to get to the high places with the shepherd. But to her great dismay, the shepherd gives her two companions, sorrow and suffering. She don't want those companions, like, uh uh-uh. But she finds if she doesn't take their hands and allow them to walk with her, she falls, she stumbles. And though she faces all these difficult parts of the journey, many failures, these companions, sorrow and suffering, are the ones that actually get her through. And she also keeps calling on the shepherd and he keeps coming because she keeps on trusting to him and holding on to the hands of sorrow and suffering. Then she gets to this place where she has to descend the path of forgiveness into the valley of loss. And she's like irritated. She's like, seriously? She feels like she's lost lost all of the ground that she's gained. She doesn't want to go to this valley of loss. She doesn't want to go through the whole forgiveness thing. And she just begs the shepherd, please walk beside me. I can't do this alone. Psalm 21, 3 and 4. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. For you are at my side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. And although she dreads that path of forgiveness, she walks with the shepherd into the valley of loss. And she's surprised to find rest and refreshment there. And that was actually necessary for the final ascent. So finally, she's the final ascent up to the high places. She gets up there and she leaps with hind's feet. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet and he will make me walk upon high places. And she finds that her companions have been with her this whole time, sorrow and suffering. Their names have been turned into joy and peace. And the shepherd gives much afraid a new name as well, grace and glory. I think many of us are like much afraid living in that valley of humiliation We're surrounded by our fearing cousins, pride, resentment, bitterness, self-pity. Isaiah 25, 6 and 8. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. He will destroy death forever. Because the Lord knows in the midst of being in that valley of humiliation, surrounded by our fearing cousins, we have a deep longing for the heights intrinsically we know we're created for something more. Have you ever wondered like, is this all there is? Is this, is this it? Uh-uh, it's not it. Because you know, intrinsically, you know, it's not it. We're created for the shepherd. We're created for the high places, right? But the problem is that just like Much Afraid, we don't want the companions of sorrow and suffering. Um, Yeah, no, thank you. I do not want that. Because we don't want to be uncomfortable, Right. Like who wants to be like, oh yeah, let's go ahead and enter into that discomfort. No, but when we avoid discomfort, we miss this awesome ladder of light to the heights opportunity. Before we get into that, before like talk about going in, up the ladder, first I want to really talk about sorrow, feeling sorrow. I have been told by very loving, well-meaning people 
oh, Mary Jo, you shouldn't feel that way. Has anyone else been told that? I'm sure I can't be the only one. Like somehow we could just press a button and not feel the way we feel, right? And then we feel bad about feeling bad. Like, oh man, this is bottom line, my brothers and sisters. Pain demands to be felt. It demands it. And it reminds me of like the toddler who finds a zit on my face. Okay, so if anyone's ever had like a zit or pimple and, you know, some type of blemish in your face and a toddler is around, they become obsessed with it. Oh, you got boo-boo, mama? You need Band-Aid? Oh, mama, everybody, look, mama, boo-boo, mama, go boo-boo right here. Like, everybody has to know about it. It doesn't matter how you try to conceal it. If you put concealer on it, like, mama, why your boo-boo got paint? Why is this? Like, they, they, they need to know even more. They tell complete strangers in the store about it. My mama got boo-boo. Do you have a Band-Aid, mama? It's like so embarrassing. It's like, oh my gosh, can you just stop about the boo-boo? And I think our souls are like those little children that when we recall places of pain, they will not let it go. Remember in second grade, how that one guy called your thighs fat? Remember that one time in high school, blah, 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 like our souls are like those little kids. We cannot run from the wounds or uncomfortable feelings. We cannot outrun them. We cannot. We can try, but guess what? They keep coming back like a little toddler. They demand to be felt. They demand to be processed. They demand to be healed. So we're not going to bow to that false tyranny of positivity, right? That's fake. We recognize it hurts, okay? Jesus doesn't want us to be fake. Jesus is truth. He he wants us to live in that truth. So when we experience sorrow and suffering, we're not going to pretend that we don't. It hurts. Sorrow and suffering hurts hurts. And we're not going to feel bad about feeling those or tell people, oh, you shouldn't feel those. That's ridiculous, my brothers and sisters. That's that's living in a false world. We are authentic people and we have feelings. God designed us this way. He knows it. You don't see us as Catholics only focusing on the birth and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is wonderful. We're all about the birth. Woohoo! Christmas. Yeah, baby. Easter. Oh, resurrection. Yeah, Jesus. Like we're all about the resurrection. Yes. Also, we have a crucifix right? It's a cross with Jesus's dead body upon it. We focus on his death and his sacrifice. We do not run from sorrow and suffering. That's taken a prominent place in the front of every Catholic church. And what is our mass called? It's called the holy sacrifice of the mass. Without sorrow, my brothers and sisters, there's no salvation. Without sorrow, There's no salvation, so we don't run from it. We honor it. We enter into it. We don't pretend it doesn't exist because the reason that we have a ladder to heaven is because it exists, right? And that's the secret ladder. Sorrow and suffering shouldn't be feared because they offer us a ladder to the light. So let me explain that. Have you ever been moved by like a really beautiful, sorrowful song? And like, you like to listen to it over and over. It's like, why do I like to listen to that really sad song? Or have you seen a piece of art like the Pieta that just evoked the sorrow where you're looking at Mary's face, looking at the, the, her dead son in her arms, like you're just, your heart is pierced by it. Or maybe read a poem or a, a, some type of literary piece where you're like, oh, 
so profound, so beautiful. Your heart is pierced. Studies have found that people experiencing sorrow have a greater ability to create. Incredible music, writing, artwork, design often come from these deep places of pain. So if you think about it, when we experience pain, this is an invitation to the ladder of light. Our pain, our sorrow and suffering allows us to touch the divine. And God's the creator, right? Satan's not creative. God is the creator. And God pours his creativity into us when we're in the midst of that deep sorrow and suffering. That's why we have all these amazing art pieces from that. That's why our souls are moved by it because we actually identify, oh, they were super close to the divine when they created this. Your soul knows it. That's why your soul keeps listening to the same sad song over and over. Your soul knows, oh, their soul was close to the divine. You intrinsically move towards it. You're drawn to it like magnets. Our desire to honor our sorrow and suffering is to come so close to the divine that our pain actually becomes sweet. Is that crazy? It's crazy. I promise I will get there. I will explain it more. So what's that look like in real life? I'm like, oh, that's so nice to call about these theology things, blah, blah, blah. I want to know how someone lived that out, brother. Like, show me the evidence. All right. So I'm going to show you the evidence. So Corey Ten Boom was this faithful Christian. She's an unmarried middle-aged woman. She's living in her childhood home with her father and her sister in the Netherlands. And this is at the time where the Nazis were rising to power. Well, these sisters and their dad offered a hiding place for those being targeted by the Nazis. But eventually they're found out. And then they are sent to the concentration camps themselves called Ravensbrück. Well, they snuck a Bible in, okay? And that became their ladder to the light. And when they first got to their barracks, the quarters where they were staying, the first thing that they noticed was the smell. The plumbing had backed up. And so it just smelled like feces all throughout it. The bedding was soiled and rancid. The entire place was infested with fleas. I don't know if you've ever experienced fleas, but if like one bites your like ankle, I was at someone's house and I was like, oh, now imagine it just being millions of them everywhere. And so you actually can't get a break from the constant biting. Okay, so it's infested with fleas. And these, the one sister like looked at the other sister and began to despair. Like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. It's so, so bad. And they remembered reading in the Bible that morning, First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And even though they didn't desire to give thanks for the fleece, they still did because they knew they were called to give thanks in all circumstances, not just the pleasant ones. So they experienced this pain, this complete discomfort. They don't even know if they're going to live or die, you know. And they chose to press into the divine, to choose to make it a ladder to the light. So they go on to hold prayer meetings each night. And this is like some, like so beautiful. They start with the Magnificat, the Magnificat prayer. It's the same prayer that we start every Kingdom Builders event with, the Magnificat prayer. And the Catholics would say that. And then the Lutherans, known for their hymns, would sing a soft hymn of praise. 
than the Eastern Orthodox would chant their prayers. They all worship together because they were sisters. They had the same father. There's no, oh, you're that religion. Oh, you're this religion. Guess what? Their ladder to the divine united them. And they knew they had one father. And that became their ladder to the light. And after the Catholics did their Magnificat and Lutherans did their hymn and the Eastern Orthodox did their chant, one of the sisters would open up their Bible that was actually in Dutch and translate it to German. And the other prisoners would pass back those life-giving words back the aisles and translate those exact words into French, Polish, Russian, Czech, and then back into Dutch. Those evenings were little glimpses of heaven because in darkness, God's light shines the brightest, right? And even though these sisters are under rigid surveillance, the guards never entered that dormitory. There was almost no supervision in it at all. It's like strange. So many weeks later, after they've been doing these prayer services, they actually had to do two a night because there were so many people who would come to them. There was some confusion about the knitting of the socks or whatever. And so they went to a guard and said, can you please come figure out like the knitting situation? And finally, none of the guards would go. Finally, one of the guards says, I'm not going in there. That place is crawling with fleas. The very thing, the very pain that initially caused those sisters to despair was the very thing that God used as a ladder to allow his light to shine. This is a quote from Carrie Ten Boom from The Hiding Place. Life in Ravensbrook took place on two separate levels, mutually impossible. One, the observable external life grew every day more horrible. The other, the life we lived with God, grew daily better. Truth upon truth, glory upon glory. Honoring our pain means that we cannot run, distract ourselves from, or attempt to numb. We acknowledge that what we are seeing is only the smallest part of a much greater plan. We know that if God allows something to happen in our lives, He will use it for our good and for His glory. When God allows something hard, something painful to happen in our lives, He will use it for our good and His glory. And God's calling us to honor that longing for the light and to climb the ladder, most especially in the darkness, because that's where the light shines the brightest. St. John of Avila says, A single blessed be God when things go wrong is of more value than a thousand acts of thanksgiving when things are to our liking. My brothers and sisters, when we feel pain, when our souls, like a little kid, are reminding us of pain that we felt even years ago, we actually are called to enter into that uncomfortable place. We do not run, attempt to numb, or distract ourselves from. We acknowledge that pain. We acknowledge that it hurts. And then we praise Him 
We trust Him and we praise Him for the opportunity to press into the divine, to feel His love, and to allow Him to comfort us right there, right there in that moment of pain. We cling to the ladder and we rise to Him. If you would like more information about Kingdom Builders or would like to know how to bring this apostolate to your parish, please go to our website at buildingthroughhim.com and click Build With Us. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.